With such an electric superhero, he's bound to be charged up for a sequel. Hi, I'm Nito Kitch, and tonight on the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association, we look at Surge of Power, Revenge of the Sequel. But because you can't be a superhero without a good rogues gallery, I've got the best out there. First up, she's the other, other, other Catwoman. It's Amelia. <laughs> Hello, my name is Amelia, also known as the Chunky Chihuahua, and yes, I can assure you, my bark is definitely not as bad as my bite. I'm here to douse NATO in red food coloring and run this town and get all the bitches. And I can be found with the Nefarious Navigator on Instagram. Amelia, no, I, he's allergic! I don't want to know where the red food coloring comes from in this situation. Um. <laughs> the blood of my enemies, clearly. <laughs> Next up, they always get away somehow. It's Ro. Hello, I am the insidious R.O.W. And my goal, obviously, to turn the frickin' frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on twitch.tv slash susqueenro. <laughs> Surge of Power, Revenge of the Sequel is the second movie in the Surge of Power franchise, and if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen the first, go watch it. We all recommended it last time. So this movie has a lot going on, so we're going to sum, up, sum it up as best we can, but we also recommend that you watch it since we're going to miss some details. A lot of details. So many details. Um... Our story focuses on Surge of Power and his nemesis, Metal Master, as they both continue to clash indefinitely. Despite Surge trying to convince Metal Master to come over to the good side, Julia Roberts' brother has other plans and makes him a henchman to basically the Injustice League. Eric Roberts sends Metal Master to go collect Selindionium out in Vegas, and so Surge takes chase, getting some upgrades to his vehicle and some support from previous young man from the last film. Soon enough, Surge finds Metal Master, and a showdown occurs. Metal Master causes an earthquake, and Surge saves an underwear-clad Twink, who he has a bit of a crush on. Under Twink and his roommates accompany Surge through Vegas as they find out more about the crystal. Battles happen, Surge goes on a date, and the movie ends with a setup to an epic battle between good and evil and a movie that is somewhere in production. So, that's, uh, that, that's a good idea of things that happen in this movie. What did my evil nemesis think of it? Um, Wait, that's Julia Roberts' brother? It, yeah, right? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> oh, now man, you know. That makes so much sense why he was in so many movies despite not being a very good actor. <laughs> Amelia. <laughs> Look, I can say that because I have seen all three stalked by my doctors, okay? <laughs> Is that a Christmas movie? <laughs> no, but it's on Lifetime, so same thing. Oh my god. Is is there a stock by my Doctor Christmas special, though? In the works, maybe? <laughs> I hope so. I would watch the fuck out of that. So, if, does, if you were stalked by your doctor, does that make him a stalker? <laughs> oh my god. Yes. <laughs> Feel free to cut that out. 
Nope, it's staying in. Please feel free to nod. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. My thoughts on this movie. How is this movie, like, at the same time better and worse than the first movie? I don't get it. It's because, and this this is my opinion on it, this movie is actually only 45 minutes long. <laughs> um, this movie is 45 minutes, but it's padded with a lot of cameos. There was this one point in the movie where like, he's like, oh, I wonder what's you know on the news. And they go from like three different news stations so they can explain why they have like... Uh, celebrities with british accents talking about surge and then people like in vegas talking about surge and then people back in big city are talking about surge and stuff like that and it goes on for a pretty long time and it just like kills the pacing for me and they do it three different times i think yeah like, yeah three, three separate times <laughs> And then on top of that, they also padded out with footage from the previous movie. Yeah. Which I found kind of weird. They also explained the first movie twice. First in the opening credits, which was really nice. And then, like, through it. Yeah, the opening credits were great. Yeah. The opening credits were perfect. It was animated. It had this really, like, ambiguously gay duo feel to it. Yeah. It yeah. easily explained the first plot without the need for an exposition dump, and then they had an exposition dump in addition to it, in case yeah. you, didn't you didn't watch need. the intro. <laughs> I mean, okay, but let's be real here. What are the chances that you're watching Surge of Power 2 Revenge of the Sequel without first watching Surge of Power 1? <laughs> yeah, I don't think most people uh, would Well, just jump Oh. Right in. Except, I mean, it is the only one available, like, on Amazon and stuff, so. So, since you brought it up, why why do you think this movie is both better and worse than the first Okay, movie? so, immediately, like, you can tell that this movie had a better budget. Because there are certain aspects of the movie that look better. Um... But at the same time, the pacing of the movie is so weird how they, um, how they skip at the, at the very end of the movie directly into like the final fight without doing any of like the small stuff that leads up to it. Um, like in the, in the first movie, the path toward the con, like the final conflict, it felt a lot more fleshed out and thought about. So, like when he finally gets to that fight, like it makes sense for him to be there. Um, and this time, like they even said in the comic shop, you know, let's do, let's skip ahead a bit to the final fight, and then you get there, and all of a sudden, like <laughs> Surge is. Like, hopping into battle with a giant robot and (laughs) facing directly against Augur, who he shouldn't even have known about at the time. Um, And also, um, like, small things aside, like, the first movie felt, like, so 
authentic in its representation representation of gayness and this movie it felt kind of like forced and a little bit preachy you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i th- the the change in the overall tone i think can be somewhat attributed for better or for worse in the change of director so in this movie we had antonio lexerat um who i'll get into in just a second and in the first film we had mike donahue who he did some he did some other work but they were most a lot of his work besides mansion of blood um that i know of was pretty like low-key in a way so i think that added a lot to it um antonio lexerat though by comparison um he has a youtube channel and it is phenomenal um and he is like a giant bear that i want to hug for hours uh he has this one (laughs) video called the marriage magician which is just it's like a dada-esque comedy masterpiece and i i think the change in tone comes along sort of with that change in director and the change in energy so we have a lot we have a lot more side characters who are a lot more energetic and a lot more uh emotive compared to surge right um i think like i'm i'm trying to really like nail down my feelings about the authenticity thing because i want to be able to like provide examples like in the first movie, when when Serge is kind of at the costume party, you know, you know when he's coming home from the costume party and he runs into mm-hmm. uh, nameless twink number one. Um, I think his name was actually Young Man. Young Man. When he <laughs> runs into Young Man <laughs> on the street and he's getting hate crimed upon. Um it felt like more of an actual like superhero interaction where he's like i'm a i'm a queer superhero and this is the stand that i'm taking whereas all of his like interaction with homophobia and like dealing with it seemed kind of petty in nature this time around mm-hmm. where it's just like oh some guy called me the f slur I'm just kind of like, oops, <laughs> he got tipped into a fountain. <laughs> right, or you know like that I mean? scene, like that weird flashback scene that came out of nowhere where he was like talking about getting bullied as a kid and they're just sitting there like, oh, you dress like a girl, blah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. Like, it just felt so contrived and like, yeah, I mean, petty, that like that was said. also, that was also from the first movie, I think. Was it? I wasn't sure about that because honestly, I don't remember parts of the first movie from a week ago. I don't remember that being part of the first film, to be honest. Yeah. Um. No, it was, wasn't it? I, I like distinctly remember it happening. I. I'm not gonna, I. Hmm. Will do. I guess we'll have to rewatch the movie. Yeah, okay. I forget about that. 
Yeah, we've watched over the span of this year so many queer movies <laughs> that some of them have just started to bleed into each other. Are you sure that's not so actually true. from Eating Out 5? <laughs> <laughs> are Eating are you sure the... Surge of Power wasn't actually a collaboration between Phoenix director and Jeffrey London? Cause... Oh. oh my god. <laughs> I had, like, blocked Eating Out 5 out of my memory. <laughs> yeah, actually, I could not tell you a specific scene from that movie if you were to ask me. No, now that you've mentioned it, I, like, remember the entire movie, and I'm like, I wish it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, going along the lines of the first movie feeling authentic and this movie feeling sort of... Uh, preachy contrived expected in a way yeah. uh, I think that a lot of that does have to do with its approach to characters uh, uh-huh. coming from my opinion a lot of the characters in the first movie were not really energetic and kind of plain in a way like even the more plot oriented characters like the professor he wasn't like this crazy professor or anything he was just like this kind of normal dude who knew science stuff and made cool and made cool stuff for surge um where contra- uh, compare that to the returning young man for this one who takes the place of the professor who literally like uh <laughs> kind of falls out falls out of this movie for a bit because he buys a bubble machine like a sexual bubble machine yeah what was with that <laughs> i know it was it was, was i so know weird. i know it was supposed to be like a fake out but it's like out of all like what um but he like falls out and then he just like randomly comes back in but he's you know that entire like idea of like his character making him more like comedic and stuff like that i feel gives this movie more of a nod to like the 50s era than its predecessor it almost makes the first movie feel like a uh and like a you know a grungy edgy like crawling in my skin uh kind of movie <laughs> uh, by comparison <laughs> It's like a grit. The first movie was gritty, and the second movie was uh, uh, is more comedic. Right. It felt yeah. like they were trying to upplay like the campier aspects of it. You know. What I, I mean? agree. This one felt a little campier for sure. Speaking and of- a lot of that, I think, had to do with the character like design. You know what I mean? Speaking of which, what did we think of Under Twink and the Young Adult Party Brigade? (laughs) Okay, so I was very confused why Under Twink was wearing an entire ripaway outfit, and then they explained that his friend was a costume designer, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Strong character choice. I get it. <laughs> totally wasn't accidental. <laughs> totally wasn't just a reason to get him in his underwear. It's actually funny. Oh, oh definitely not. 
It's actually funny because, like, in the pre- in a previous scene, like, a news anchor was, like, ranting about why Surge doesn't have, like, any red on him. He just has blue and white, even though it's not white, it's silver. Um, and the Twink's underwear was red. I'm like, well, he's going to have some red on him now. Um. <laughs> oh, snap. I and think my that... comment... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I think the thing that was even stranger about the ripaway outfit was that, like, he didn't even seem to be phased by or, like, even acknowledge the fact that he was only wearing underwear. For the rest of the scene, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, there's a twink in his underwear. Also, his, natural. Also, that's his, totally normal. His friends actually grabbed his clothes and they didn't bring them to him. So did they just like throw them away? That was really rude. Well, <laughs> yeah, isn't he in college? Clothes cost money. He probably doesn't have. <laughs> He's in college in Las Vegas. Uh, speaking of which. How would you like to visit Las Vegas? We could do an entire episode there. We could see all the sites and be sponsored by the Las Vegas Tourism Board. Like this movie <laughs> was probably sponsored by the Las Vegas Tourism Board. <laughs> Is there any movie set in Las Vegas that isn't sponsored by the Las Vegas Tourism Board? Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find one, I'm sure. <laughs> Is Fear and Loathing uh, promoted by the Vegas Tourism Board? That's a good question. Let's find out. <laughs> Later. <laughs> so, um, I know what you think about, like, uh, this movie kind of being both, like, better and worse than the first movie. Um, as far as the lore, the universe of Surge of Power, do you feel like uh, this built upon the first film or did it rely too much on the first film? I mean, it used literal scenes from the first film, so I definitely think it relied too much on the first film in that sense. Duh, Um, that part. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, at the same time, I feel like it could have built more on the first film, like an actual plot. It is a plot, kind of. Yeah, I just abandoned it. (laughs) I think (laughs) it would have been nice... Because the film was made, what, like, in, like, 12 or so years after the first one, right? 12 years after, yeah. I think it would be nice if we had had, like, a little montage of Surge and Mr. Magnet Man, like, (laughs) having more battles over the years, because... At the beginning of this film, like, you're kind of given the sense that, like, they've been hero and nemesis for, like, a while. And they kind of talk about it, but they never go into detail about, like, their past battles. And I think that would have been a good way to build on the first movie without getting, like, super, like, info dumpy. I agree, because, like, they, they really, like, explained the premise of like the basic premise of like you know power surge and uh metal master right yeah and then they kind of alluded to like you said like all this stuff but instead of during the movie just like going all out with it and being like ooh, why don't we have like 
just a flashback of like their battles together, a little montage, like you said, or something like that to add further exposition. They just opted to rehash the exact same stuff that we saw in the first movie. And that was in the credit, the opening credits. Right. And we get this like scene in a bar where it's like, they're obviously there to like connect and like to try and make progress. And all these people are like, like doing gay stereotyping, but they replace the gay part with superhero or supervillain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, like, do you, like, he obviously chose to be a supervillain. Can't he just choose to be a good guy instead? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the hugs that I would give Jeffrey Dahmer in the world would not make him not a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> be, be careful saying that because there are people out there that legit thirst for Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, I've been <laughs> on Tumblr. I've so, seen the it's things. So it's, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. That's a whole segment of the Jeffrey Dahmer and the Ted Bundy so hot crowd. I'm just like, no, no, no. no. The, the the reason I I bring it up though, li, li, I mean, you know, Ted Ted Bundy. Let's be honest, was ugly. Um, sorry to I'm sorry to truth bomb <laughs> oh, here. Oh, thank God. But... <laughs> Sorry, truth bomb. But I thought you were about to go it. the other way with that, and I was worried for a second. Nato, no. I've gone this Jeffrey Dahmer thing. I've gone. I've gone down the Tumblr hole. Um, Is Jeffrey Dahmer your problematic fave? No, but we aren't going to get into my problematic fave today. Um. <laughs> we will in a future episode i promise uh so uh but it's just like i'm kind of frustrated with this movie because like it doesn't exactly completely imply but it somewhat implies that middlemaster's rejection from his family is at least part of his reason for being a supervillain um and going back to the first film like he's rejected from he's he was rejected by the professor because they're exes and he was really and like the whole reason surge has his powers and stuff like a male master has the powers is because uh he was there in the lab trying to destroy stuff and then the accident happened so in, in a sense like it makes sense that rejection would be fueling his uh his reason for being a supervillain and in this uh, and doing evil things but at the same time the bar scene kind of throws a wrench into that because Serge is actually like kind of trying to accept him and he's rejecting that so I'm kind of frustrated because like he's either he, he's either kind of like a supervillain because he's just a monster and has gone to like this point of like no return from everything or you're saying everyone can be redeemed which means that he needs a stronger redemption arc through this movie which it just doesn't have does that make sense 
Yeah. Okay. I was worried I was still Yeah, broke. I think I think I think that's actually like a really big missed opportunity in this film. Is even with the campiness and even, you know, with the other stuff, like you could actually have like a really good strong premise for something a little bit more meaningful, like some kind of a theme in the film, you know, that people right. can analyze. You know like, what it is? I get I <laughs> some kind of what? character development. Right. You know, something. I, I know you're I know you're trying to humanize your supervillain, but I think the whole like rejected by his family because he's gay and because of their faith thing, even in twenty sixteen is very like overplayed. You know why you know what I think you know why I think they they didn't le- they didn't develop that story more. Why? Because there is so there are so many plot threads in this movie. Be it like yeah, like, actually though. Be it like right. actual like plot dependent ones or just like little throwaway ones. Like everywhere you look, there's something new, which is both like a good thing in my opinion, but it also makes it so like the actual focal point of the movie is a little muddled. It, it right. really is. I, like, walked away from this movie, like, not really knowing what the main conflict was. Because you have the main conflict between Ma- uh, Metal Master and Surge of Power. But then you also have, like, the guy that's actually pulling the strings, who is the drunk guy, Stalker. <laughs> um, and then... Like and the plot with the Celine Dionium, which I love that name though, by the way. Um, right. And then like also that weird battle between not Omen but like that other guy and the, the Eric Roberts. Oh, that guy, was like... that was that was Omen. Wait. Okay. So I thought Michelle Nichols was Omen. Omen can Omen change it. Omen is kind of like fluid. Oh. Okay. I missed that. So yeah, men can were, be anything. There were a lot of different things going on. It was very difficult to keep things straight and like right. <laughs> and as, and as, uh... <laughs> as fun as it would have been, honestly, to watch Linda Blair absolutely eviscerate a homophobe, I don't think this was the right movie for it. Yeah, I would like to point out that the uh, Omen being being fluid being portrayed by both a man and a being woman. a white man and a black woman <laughs> uh, is actually a callback to the first film where everyone was confused about whether omen was uh like a woman or or a man or whatever which is also a a, a scene that they rehashed in the info dump in this they movie. Sure just did. in case you missed it um i do i do kind of like this movie uh in like a weird in, in my own way um I think, I think there's a lot of negatives, but overall, I'll go and watch it again. Uh, but probably like the thing that kind of every time I watch it, I forget about it is just how abruptly it ends. Like going back to the fight, like yeah, Surge shows up, car turns into robot. They get ready to fight Eric Roberts. They get bloomed away. And then Omen gets ready to fight Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts, like, me, 
and then like it just goes to the epilogue Surge doesn't actually like go head to head with metal master really uh like one for like a big fight or anything and it just kind of ends um with like a cliffhanger uh and it's just like it doesn't feel like things got resolved at all except yeah. for i guess surge is now more open to being um to letting people in to his life i guess that was the plot with under twink right that was yeah that was the problem he wasn't being open enough with and letting people in because he was afraid they would get hurt or something yeah right i think so yeah, I uh, I think in my notes I actually literally just wrote down like what this is the epilogue how like <laughs> like yeah the movie just kind of ends right you could it, tell that they were really like gunning for a movie three <laughs> but like and as interesting as a movie three would be like it would have to do so much work to like straighten out the things that were missing from movie two you know what i mean there's also a lot of plot holes that come up with the ending of this movie like because surge is obviously the the ending shows that there's other superheroes out there that omen is considering for their basically league of heroes in a way um but why wasn't there a hero in Vegas? Like you'd think there would be one that would notice that their bridge got destroyed, or one of their it's major bridges. It's a city of sin, <laughs> NATO. But <laughs> Reno said that in the movie. They said that in the movie. <laughs> um. All right, I'll just drop that then. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, you don't really. Oh, shit. Okay. Who me? Yeah, yeah. I just oh. dropped something. Yeah, I just dropped the subject. Um. <laughs> like, <laughs> like dropped an actual like literal thing. On the floor. <laughs> that was such a great response, though. <laughs> Oh, you dropped something on the floor. I just dropped the subject. Um. So this movie, I kind of, I kind of want to give it props because, if anything, you can say that it is more self-aware of itself than the first film was, and it does. Yeah. does uh, partake in metacriticism which is when the movie takes the criticism that people have or critics have of their previous of an artist's previous works or previous films of the series and kind of acknowledge it um and i right and so one thing that i'm actually curious about is we had some criticisms of the first movie do you think Mm -hmm. this movie uh made a kind of good faith effort to improve on the flaws of the first film yes i think one big one is the camp aspect because in the first one the fact that it wasn't as campy as it could have been came up a couple of times in our discussion of that and i felt like this one was definitely like it delivered in that department 
it kind of had more of a comic booky feel to it too like you have that uh mag uh metal master like logo that kind of transitions like to the to the metal master scenes and stuff like that yeah yeah i I think it definitely did improve on a lot of the stuff that we talked about at least or the criticisms that might have have might have had right um the acting was definitely better Mm -hmm. uh vincent j roth's acting was exactly the same Um, I, I kind of like it. I guess, it, yeah, it kind of works for Serge's character that he's just kind of this like deadpan circuit kid. <laughs> this this but, um, stoic, super serious, like <laughs> no j- well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, who kind of like is self-aware or like at least aware that he's in a comic book yeah. um I, that I, I would love for Vincent for J. Roth to be Deadpool <laughs> yeah no this actually does kind of like it has Deadpoolish vibes but like like Deadpool goes like balls to the wall with it where I feel like this movie is like kind of afraid to take it all the way there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've never seen Deadpool, so I'm just gonna smile and nod. I've never seen um, Deadpool. No. But you get to see Ryan Reynolds' penis. Uh, I'm not into Ryan Reynolds. How? How? How dare you not like the one good thing Canada has ever done? thank you you for the pity laughs okay Um, (laughs) this this is a real laugh (laughs) i was i was thinking (laughs) how could you how could you say about that how could you say that about canada when canada gave us like french but snootier There hasn't been a French character in this series. I guess that's a plus. Um, At least for me. Um, I will say one of the things that I absolutely loved about this movie was that Bruce Valanche was in it for all of like 45 seconds. (laughs) He had like a good like two minute scene post credits with uh, Eric (sighs) Roberts too. I don't know if I watched the post credits scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might, I, I might go, actually go back and do that after we I finish. Did, yeah, same. I didn't realize today. there was a post credit scene. I mean, it is a comic book movie in 2016. I Right. <laughs> I don't watch. <laughs> um, for those Poor of you Millie. who didn't listen to last week's episode, um, Amelia has seen every single Marvel movie. <laughs> And, loves them and loves them all equally <laughs> um, yeah i think uh, black widow was the best of them yeah wonder woman was second best Marvel go movie. go fi- go find the nefarious navigator and ask her all of your marvel questions and see how she answers <laughs> 
She's actually <laughs> she's actually watched all the movies with commentary too now. I hear. Oh yeah. So she she knows every tiny detail of every single film. Um, she has like strong opinions about Thor one. At <laughs> me for your next trivia night. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to, I would just like to say that uh, if I was going to sell anyone on these movies to to like give them one definitive reason to watch them, uh, Nichelle Nichols. Yes. Uh, yes. Who is like uh, what? Just watch watch the drunken history, <laughs> and then go watch all of her work. <laughs> Although I feel like she was like much more better utilized in the first movie. Like she kind of came into this movie as an afterthought to kind of ta- like pitch the idea of a superhero like get together, you know what I mean? Well, okay, I'm going to be mean for a second. Um I'm sorry. Uh so there's some behind-the-scene footage of this movie. Um, and so, like, as we know, like, oh, so there's two scenes with Omen that's, that I'm going to talk about. The first one is with Robert Picard. I think that's... I'm not that big of a nerd. I am sorry. Um, and the other one is with Nichelle Nichols. And Nichelle Nichols is on the green screen. Um, Nichelle Nichols is... Uh, getting up there in age as are all the original Star Trek actors Um, and so I don't know if they could have actually utilized her more for the story of this the way they want to utilize Omen right which is probably why they had her replaced in the battle scene by a straight white guy yeah presumably straight white guy um but I'll take any Nichelle Nichols over no Nichelle Nichols. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, the fact that she was in this movie at all is amazing. I just think that, like, <laughs> I would have loved for her to come in and have, like, another pep talk moment yeah. instead of this whole, like, um, let's skip to the bat, like, the final battle. Oh my gosh, BS. Omen talking about, like, her, like, she brings in Surge, and, like, uh, she talks about, like, how she fell in love with this, like, like Jimmy Olsen type that she saved. That would have been great. Right. And, like, all the stuff that they should have had Omen do, they did instead with the, with the car's AI system. Mavis? Yeah, who oh, should have yeah. been... Bruce Valanche for the entire movie. Uh, hot take. Bruce Valanche is really funny and should have been in this movie a lot more than he was. But they had so many cameos they had to get through. I know! But, like... <laughs> I know. It's Bruce Valanche. He's, like, he's so funny. And spoilers for the end credits, he's actually a villain. Oh, great! <laughs> they cut. Uh... <laughs> oh my 
uh, speaking <laughs> of surprise villains, uh, let's talk about Lou the Hulk Frigno, who was in the first movie um, as a guy who helped Surge up, and in this movie they, is a villain. They did my muscle hunk dirty. Does that make you want to smash this movie? Yeah, Hulk, Hulk smashed this movie right on up. Um, <laughs> he was he was such a great character in the first movie. He like came in and said like exactly the right thing for the time, and like looked amazing doing it. And this movie, he was reduced to like some. <laughs> evil cabal member like like board meeting out of Boca. Like, okay, isn't it funny that their like evil headquarters is in Boca? <laughs> it is kind of <laughs> <laughs> It is inherently funny. <laughs> did y'all did y'all uh at least watch the evil uh the Hitler clone scene? At the end, the Hitler clone. Which, which scene is that? Y'all missed. Is oh that, my gosh! Is that during the credits? That's during the credits. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. I turned it off like right when the credits started. I think. I. Why miss... don't watch all the people um, who make stuff? Like how Jeff London makes everything, literally. Like he he does. I the writing, got I got as far as them crediting God in the credits, and I was like. Okay, that's strange. Goodbye, movie. <laughs> well, Vincent J. Roth is... is a, um, I'm going to say that without laughing. I mean, Vincent J. Roth is a Christian, and good on him. I don't know why I did that. Um, so, I want to reiterate that over a decade came and went between the first and second movies. You know, so And it's hard to get funding for independent gay cinema, especially films that are looking for you know uh, non eating out hey look at the sexy guys fan base not that vincent j roth is you know not sexy um so uh it's really exciting to know that surge of power where there's smoke is most likely in post-production as we speak wow uh, they posted i think in september that they were wrapping up filming uh with set photos so most likely they're in early stages of post-production and also you know if you need any help with that I, that's what i studied in college just saying um what so there's a very good chance that it will be out in time for us to review it in the future yeah well maybe we can go if they have like a screening for it we should uh all we should all go to it and, like because oh, they fun. did they, they did online screenings for the doctor who special and surge of dawn which i went to both of them and i wanted can we make ourselves little like gay press passes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes gay I can press Hello. passes. we're with oh the my gay God, press we can, have the pride, we can have the pride flag with each of our like characters on it <laughs> like on the logo oh perfect on each oh side. my god from from like our original logo design yeah <laughs> Oh. Yes. Hello, I'm Ro with the Gay Press. <laughs> so, <laughs> the the gay to see your movie, please. <laughs> the gay, gay Press. Um, 
<laughs> what are some things that you want to see in the third installment? And what are some things that you don't want to see based on these two movies? Better fight um, scenes. I want better combat scenes. <laughs> I would like to see some effort put into, like, like storylines and script development. Because... Um, there were big pacing issues in this movie, and um, a lot of that could be fixed with the right script. Yeah. I want to see some bad nipples. I'm just going to say it. Like, uh, we have not had any good nipples in this movie as series. And as we know, the best gay movies have good nipples in them. Um, I would like and a, a two-penis rule. <laughs> I would like a cameo from Wombat and Pigeon. <laughs> Yes, and the silkworm. <laughs> yes, actually, I did at the end. They kind of alluded to like a bit of like a Justice League type of deal, right? That's yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, where they had like all those different superheroes. I want to see more of that. Just like little cameos here and there from like you know, maybe the silkworm or wombat and pigeon help him along the way. I don't know. I would really like them to honestly just uh, uh, drop the... I know they've had it for two movies, so they're probably going to have it, but they kind of forgot about it in this movie. The setup where, like, someone's actually reading a comic, and so, like, they stop the story to be like, oh, this comic is so boring. And then it's like, oh, well, this is actually kind of cool. And it's like, yeah, I really like that. Is there another comic? And it, and that's kind of the setup they have, but it's just they don't really do anything with it. And kind of breaks up the pacing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I agree. what I really want a lot more of is I just want more action because like and more uh, like tying up loose ends or at least the storylines they put forward. I I think that I'm kind of blue-balled <laughs> with, uh, with how abruptly this one ended and how they didn't tie up... It didn't feel like they tied up all the plot lines. So I hope they do in the next movie, but it feels like they're going to have to tie up those plot lines as well as whatever plot, other plot lines they have. Which seems yeah. like a tall order. Yeah, like... The next movie is gonna have to do work. <laughs> you better work, bitch. Um, you, but you better work. <laughs> okay, so we'll continue Surge whenever Surge of Dawn is officially re- released, or the Doctor Who special, or where there's smoke. If that's unless they change that title. Um, so uh, until then, Amelia. Was this film a surge of delight or a master of disappointment? I'm going to go surge of delight. I like it. It was, you know, both better and worse than the first one, but it was enjoyable. And like, it left me like at least curious to see what happens in the third one. So, yeah. Ro, did this movie make you want to go find a blonde twink in Vegas or just stay home and order Amazon? um both really uh, <laughs> um to be honest i enjoyed this movie uh probably not gonna watch it again 
Anyway, that's... But okay. don't let that stop you from watching it. <laughs> One time. <laughs> if you... If you would... For me, like... I won a trivia contest because I love the movies, so I'm very biased. <laughs> I'm wearing the t-shirt right now, to be honest. Uh, so is NATO's real problematic, babe? <laughs> you have no idea. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayAcapod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not just move for a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and Mr. Roth, if you're out there and you want to, you know, slip us a early copy, um, we can't wait to experience more movies with you. Thank you for joining us. We think you're all super, and we hope you have a great week. Later. Bye.